Thanks, Dee. Appreciate that. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to be here with you guys. Can you guys see my face because the sun behind here is like glaring in your eyeballs? Is this a problem or anything? Okay. When you're, when, you're a, uh, when you're a pastor, a lot of times you get called to do weddings. Right? Happens all the time. And I've done, I don't know how many. And what that means is that that has increased exponentially the opportunity for something uncomfortable to happen at the wedding, <clears throat> especially when I'm involved. Uh, sometimes just a little something goes wrong. And so I, I have a lot of these stories. I just want to share this one, and it's not, not too bad uh, as they have gone. But I, had, uh, I went to do a wedding for a friend, and it was, it was important for me to do this one. It was down in the Austin area. It was going to be outside, and he'd asked me a long time before to do it. And so it was a Saturday uh, afternoon, and I was going to drive down there and meet him, and I wanted to do this right. And I'll tell you later on today why it was so important to me. But I got up, and I thought, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to be there early. I'm going to be dressed right. I'm going to have my notes. I'm, you know, I'm going to be fed and everything. So I, uh, I got up. I got my clothes together. I got some food. I was all planned up. Drove down there, found the place ate, chilled out, and then I was, I mean, this is not usual for me, so just so you know, um, to be really prepared. So I show up, I'm, I'm ready, I see my friend Tim, and I had worn shorts down there just because it was, you know, 150 degrees in the summer in Texas, and so uh, I was going to go change, and it was, you know, a few minutes till the wedding. So I, I put, uh, I went to the room that they gave me, uh, pulled out my clothes, you know, unzipped this bag, and I've got my suit, tie, and everything, I'm, I'm thinking this is great. And I, I get there and I realize what I have brought does not match at all. So I have these pants that are just totally wrong. But there's nothing I can do. I have shorts. So I decide, this is what I decide. I'm going to, I'm going to do this wedding and pretend like I meant to pick out these clothes. It was my only choice. This is how we dress in North Texas. <laughs> you know. So I did. And, oh, man, you can see me hiding, like, in the pictures, I'm, like, behind the people. So you can only see the top part of me. Uh, anyway, there's, there's often something slightly uh, off when I'll do a wedding. Something will happen. Uh, and that was one of them. But th- this particular wedding, and as I'll tell you in a minute, was really important for me to engage in a decent way. Back to our text for a second. I'll come back to the wedding in a minute. Thank you, Dee, for reading this long section, this chapter 10, basically, of Acts. And as we've been going through Acts, if you've been here, you've been seeing this process of God interacting with these different people or groups of people and bringing them to know Jesus. You know, Peter speaks three or four times, and we've heard those messages, and he's, he, all these people come to know Christ. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had the Ethiopian. Philip comes and shares with him. And then we had Saul last week, and he comes to know Jesus. And now we have this centurion, Cornelius. So do you see how there are these, these vignettes that are going along? Luke has a purpose in telling us how this is working. And we're going to see that fleshed out today. This, this moment in the scripture, in the, in the church, in the early church, is a pivotal moment. This is, this is that turning point where 
that is very significant, not only in the life of the church, but also with Peter. This is one of Jesus' closest followers, right? We've heard about him. We've seen him all the way through. He's done all these incredible things. And all along, he should have seen this. He should have known this. But here it is, God coming to him again and teaching him something. And it changes. It transforms Peter. And what he is going to do now is he's he's going to change who he is introducing to Jesus. He's going to move from keeping it all within this comfort zone of the Jewish people, and he's going to move to the Gentiles, the furthest possible from what he felt comfortable with. Okay? So this is all going to happen, and you heard about the vision. We'll look at that in just a minute. But what I want to do is, is today, I want to, to say, I think Luke's main point in bringing this to us is to see this transformation. And I think it's a challenge to us. In, and, I, and I'll say it this way, in terms of our, our whole church, this whole church body, in how will we introduce people to Jesus, we'll partner with God to introduce people to Jesus and be surprised at the amazing things that God does. There's three things in this story that I'm going to try to bring out to show you this process of introduction that Peter flips over to. And the first part is relationship. The second part is information. And the third part is dependence. Relationship, information, and dependence. Those are these three parts of Peter now engaging with God in introducing people to Jesus and people he never thought he would do that with before. Okay, so we're going to follow these steps through here. Now, here's the deal. Here's, and, and I'm really excited about this, frankly, because I want, to, I want to throw this out to you as I'm going through this passage this morning. It's, you know, this is our big event, right? Sunday morning. This is the big thing that we do. Most of us come to this who are believers. There are a few folks here who may not know Jesus, and, and that's great. You need to be here. We want you to be here. But you, you can see that this is mostly geared to people who know Christ, right? And we were singing about the blood of Christ, we're communion, all of this stuff, the things that we do. The message I'm delivering today really is to believers for the most part. And, and this, is, this is the thing where I see the similarity with Peter, where he was, he was doing the thing that was very comfortable to him. And God says, right under your nose, right in front of you, is a place to engage with people you never thought possible. And so what I want to do is just ask you, if you're a believer here this morning and you're a part of this church body, to be thinking, all right, we do this big thing on Sunday mornings is where we engage together. But what and, and I'm not, and let me make this clear too, I'm not talking necessarily about what you're doing personally to engage with lost people. Yes, that needs to happen. But how is our church engaging this place? Where is that place where we meet them? People who don't know, and I, I shouldn't even call them them. Those, our friends and neighbors in our community who don't know Christ. If we're not engaging them, I feel like we're just like Peter. As successful and as awesome as Peter is and was, he was missing 
so much. And God steps in in this radical way and says, all right, Peter, you got to see this. You should have seen it all along, but God doesn't say that. He just shows him this is what it's about. And Peter changes. And he changes the whole church too. The whole church says, hey, this is, we missed this. Okay? So I just want you to be thinking, certainly on a micro level, personally, how you're interacting, partnering with God to introduce people who don't know Christ to him. But as a church, just be thinking about that. I'd love to hear your ideas and just want it to be a passion of yours. I think that's what God wants for us. I think that's one reason the story is here. And that's one thing, obviously, I am excited about. So three parts of this uh, process of moving to, uh, to kind of follow Peter in partnering with God to introduce people to Jesus. And the first one is relationship. So you probably notice, this is in, in verse uh, 9. We're, we're going to be in Acts 10 the whole time, by the way. Peter's relationship with God is absolutely critical to this thing taking place. So be thinking about this in terms of yourself right now. The next day, this is verse 9, as they were on their journey, these are the people coming to get Peter, and they were approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. So what does this tell us about Peter? The reason Luke puts this at the sixth hour is he's trying to tell in the vernacular of his culture that Peter has a regular process of meeting God at noon. Okay? So we don't necessarily see that when we read it. It happens at midday, and what what Peter does is he leaves the house... And he goes upstairs, he gets on the roof, and he gets alone with God. He gets above the fray of the things that are going on. Okay. I, I really can't emphasize this enough. But if we say that we follow Christ, if we say that we want to know God, what is the one thing that is the most important thing we can do to know God? Watch TV? Maybe. Spend time with him. Most of you all are probably familiar with or read the book by Stephen Covey uh, about people who are making good decisions about how they lead their lives. Stephen Covey says, if you know where you want to go, if you know what you're called to do, which in our case, if you're a believer, is to know God. That's the very first thing, to know God. What he says is, well, then figure out what the most important thing to do in order to get there is and do that thing. If you want to be the very best mechanic in the whole world, that's where you want to be. You need to train and train and practice and train and work and all, right? If you want to know God, if that is who you are and what you're about, then what we need to do and what I need to do is spend time with God. That is the most important thing I can do. Now, Peter has a regular time. And I'm I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on any of you at all, okay? This is a great struggle for me. And only recently, like two years ago, did it finally sink in, even though I knew it all along. I've got to spend time with God. 
I've got to get above, settle down, let the stuff go, and spend time with God. I hate mornings. I really do. I mean, it's not that I don't like the sunrise and all that. I just don't want to get out of bed. I'm just totally honest with you. But that is the only time that it's going to be quiet that I can get with God. Because once things get going, now that's me, okay? I also found out that it's really good for me to just take a day or a day and a night and just go away with my tent and have nothing to do except for spend time with God and have a list of things I'm going to work through with God. I found that that was really good for me to spend time with him. What I want to do is, is not beat you down, but encourage you and say, find a way to do the most important thing, okay? I'm spending a lot of time on this. I apologize. I think it's just really important. Peter's relationship with God was really important. And what happens when he spends time with God? Radical things happen, right? Well, but before we get to that, um, you, well, when you're, with, when you're with God and when you spend time with him, you can expect him to stretch you, okay? Expect that. Ask him to. You don't, do you want to, to be the same your whole life in your relationship with God? No. Nobody wants that. If you're, you want to grow with him. So when you spend time with him, he is going to change you. And you can see this with Peter. And I, I personally noticed it because I was aware of it when Dee was reading. But in 1028, he come, Peter gets, he goes with these guys back to... Um, to uh, uh, Caesarea, and he's seen the vision, and he says, you all know how unlawful it is for me to be with anybody from another nation, because I'm, I'm a serious Jew. But God has shown me that I should not call any person unclean. Peter had this experience with God, and he, God stretched him and changed him, because this was a radical, it's not, to us, we read it, we're like, well, you know, this is radical for him to be there. God really stretched him in this moment. Okay, now Cornelius, he's the other guy, right? He's the one that started the story. What about his relationship with God? In 10.1, right where it starts out, it says there's this, in Caesarea, there's a guy named Cornelius, a centurion. He was well known. He's a devout man who feared God with all of his household. And an angel comes to this guy and says, hey, God has heard you. Because you give alms, you pray, you're a good guy. And then Peter says later, he says in, in verse 34, in his speech to all these people, he says, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now, if you're reading this and you're really reading it, this should have been like, you know, when you're on the roller coaster and you go, nah, and then you hit the thing where it starts to go up and it goes, clink, 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 and you kind of stop right there. Suddenly you're like, <gasps> take a breath, you look around, you know the feeling? Yeah. This should have stopped you right there. Because think about this for a second. Here's a guy who's not a believer and he's not a Jew, but he's been praying to someone and he's been giving alms to be good, Right? Now, if you're, uh, I don't know where everybody fits in here, but some of you are probably theologians. And so you've heard of the doctrine of total depravity. Total depravity is this doctrine that says that if you are not a believer, in your separation, and as we talked about before, enmity with God, you cannot know him. 
you cannot cross that bridge. And some people, that, you, you cannot even communicate with him in the most extreme version of the doctrine of total depravity, right? We're sinners separated from God because of the sin of Adam and our own sin. It's impossible for us to know him, okay? We, we all have heard that. But here's, here's the thing. God, through this angel and through Peter, is saying, I heard you, and what you were doing mattered to me. Now, that, how, do, how do we sync those things together? Well, the fact is, we have to, right? So, this guy, Cornelius, by whatever means, has discovered the one true God. Okay? At least we can say that. And you remember in Romans 1 and Romans 2, where Paul says, hey, everything about God can be known by what? It's creation. It is possible to know who the one true God is. But does that mean that you are acceptable in the sense of saved? In a right relationship with God that ends up in salvation, in being in his kingdom, exactly like what Tyler was talking about a moment ago. There is a difference there. There is a peace where God is working, and we've seen that in all of these stories that we've been looking at, these vignettes, that God reaches into the life of someone who does not know him and begins to interact with those, that person and draw them towards himself. And in that place, there is an attitude of pre-repentance, if you will. There is a place of interaction with God that is real and is meaningful. And so if someone says, there is no way that anyone who is not a Christian, can actually speak to God, then you might say, well, have you read Romans, I mean, have you read Acts 10, or 9, or 8, 7, 6, okay? There is this place where each one of us who knows Jesus, God was working on us. And I would say, if you're not a believer, and you're here, and you're thinking about who Jesus is, then I would say, part of it is you, but most of it is him. Drawing you into this space, here or wherever, to move into this relationship with him. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? There's this place of, like with Paul uh, last time, or the, the Ethiopian. The Ethiopian had made his way all the way to Jerusalem. Paul is on his way to do these horrible things, and, and Christ comes to him and, and gets right in his face, right? So there's this, this, this time of um, awakening. There's a time of awakening where God is working with people to draw them towards himself. So that is what I'm saying is happening here when, Paul, when Peter says that uh, there are those who are acceptable to God. They are not saved, but they are acceptable. They're moving in that direction. Are, are we together on that? All of us who are believers were there at one point. And what I'm suggesting is that there are a lot of people in this town who are in that space. There are spiritual people here. That puts them in that space automatically. Okay, anyway. All right. So there is this uh, relationship that's happening between Peter and God and between Cornelius and God that is going to lead to this introduction of Jesus. Now, we, we moved into information. 
The gospel is basically information. I don't know how this sounds to you. I don't mean to make it sound uh, like the gospel is uh, boiled down something not incredible. It is. But if you, if you just get down to the very basics of what is the gospel, four words, right? God, sin, Christ, and belief. Okay? There's... God uses people to meet those that are awakening or seeking to bring the information of the gospel. In every one of the stories that we've seen in Acts, God uses people to bring this to happen, okay? So, uh, when, so we need to know what the gospel is, and I'm going to tell you really fast. God is a holy, perfect creator of all things. He created man. He's righteous. Man had a free will to choose, and he chose to sin, and he broke the relationship with God. He's separated from God. There is no way to be holy enough to be back. You cannot do enough. There's nothing you do to be back in relationship with God. So God instituted his plan, which is what the whole scripture is about, to restore and redeem mankind, and that is Christ. God, sin, Christ. So Christ came and he paid the sin, the, bur- the burden for all of us. He paid for the sin and the burden of all of us to be reunited with, with God. The only part that we have, only part we have as humans is to believe. Just belief, that's it. So those are the four parts of the gospel. And you're going to see, if you look back at this, you're going to see how Peter brings these things together. So the first part The first part of the information is just the gospel. There's two more parts. One is Jesus' story. And I don't know if you noticed it, but in verse 36, it says, this is when Peter is into his his message to these people. As for the word that that God sent to Israel, preaching good news and peace through Jesus, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened. In other words, you're part of this culture. You've heard about Jesus. He's big news, right? So he launches into this speech and he tells them about Jesus. He tells them the story of Jesus, that he healed, he did these things, that he died and he was put to death, right? Probably heard all those things in there. That's the story of Jesus. And you know what's interesting about this? In this story, in this speech that Peter presents, it's unlike any of the ones that he did before. He doesn't reference any Old Testament people. The other ones in like Stephen's, I don't know if you read Stephen's speech, it just goes on and on about all these patriarchs and why, you know, how it all set up and the sacrifices and all this that lead to Jesus. He doesn't do any of that. He stays right in their time and he says, hey, let me just tell you about Jesus. So if you know the four parts of the gospel, if you kind of hide that in your heart, and then you know the story of Jesus, you're way on your way to being able to be a person or for us to be a church who can actually partner with God in this process of introducing people to to Jesus. Now, what's really cool about this, especially in our culture, in our town, is that Peter, uh, he adjusts his message for the people that he's speaking to. Right? If I was going to say this, tell this same message to people on Elk in a little meeting down there, would I say it the same way? 
Would I go as long? (laughs) Some of you are going, please. (laughs) Maybe you should cut it off now. No, I would adjust for the people that I'm talking to, right? Here's the other thing. When God says, Peter, I want you to go there, Peter goes, right? And he goes in there and he he says, I accept you guys. You know what my friends think about this, but I accept you. And And he speaks in their place, in a way that makes sense to them. Now, we got to think about that, y'all, as a church, right? Because does this room with that cross and those banners and stuff make sense to the people out there? Come on, let's be honest. It does not. Did Peter invite them and say, hey, you need to come to the church with me where I'm going to preach at you about the the Mosaic law and how that leads to us knowing about Jesus? No, he went there to them he even brought some friends with him. Let's go. We're going to talk to these people. And they asked to know more. That, that's exactly what's happening with, with, with what Courtney and those leaders are doing with Young Life right now. They're interacting with kids in a way that makes sense to them. And they've created this environment over there in Frontier that is awesome for kids to have a great time. And no one's going to get up there and sound like me and preach at them. Someone's going to get up there that totally connects with them. They're going to sing their music, secular songs, and then they're going to move them towards being introduced to Christ so that they can make their decision about him. Okay? Those kids are willing to go. They're excited. Like almost 60. Is Jake in here? Almost 60 kids went overall the last two weekends. Do you know how big a percentage of our school that is, high school? It's, two, it's like two full classes, right? So these things are happening around us, y'all. I'm just wondering what's right under our nose. Right under our nose, just like Peter. We're doing this thing, but right under our nose is this whole other thing we could be surprised by. Okay, a little, little bit more here. Thanks for bearing with me. The other piece of it is we need to know, we need to know the gospel. We need to know Jesus' story. We need to know our story. And it's so cool how Peter brings in his story. This one's not for the screen, by the way, if you're looking, because I cut this verse up. Listen to me while I read. This is what Peter says to them. And I, or we, were witnesses of all that Jesus did, both in the countryside and in Jerusalem. But God made him to appear to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people. So he's just telling them, the reality of what happened to him with Jesus, his story. It's it's just that simple. This is my story with Jesus. And last week I tried to go on a bit about, and some of you guys have incredible stories. God saved you from amazingly treacherous lives. That's great. Maybe you have the most boring testimony on earth, right? You came to Christ when you were four with your mommy. It doesn't matter Because whether you were the greatest sinner, like Saul, or whether you were like an innocent, as it were, child, Christ's payment was the same for both. That is the truth. Your story, no matter what, is significant. So, tell it. What has God done through Jesus with you? So, three parts of that information. Knowing the gospel, telling Jesus' story, and knowing our own story. 
All right, and finally, there's this piece of dependence. This is the last part here. Peter just goes. He just heads up there. He goes right in. After God says, I want you to go, I want you to go downstairs and meet these people. I want you to go with them. And he does. And when he's preaching, this is in verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were hearing it. In fact, Peter has just said to them, he's just said that you can, you can know Jesus by faith. As soon as he says that, I think people believed. I mean, Peter was a great evangelist, right? 3,000 people come to Christ when he speaks. 5,000 people come to Christ. This guy is good, right? So God called him in to speak to this little room full of people. Something's going to happen, right? So Peter goes in, he speaks, he says the word, and when he gets to the part about believing this stuff about Jesus, this information, the gospel, people believe. The Holy Spirit falls. And they can see that there's a change in the lives of these people. Right then and there, they're just amazed by it. And here's the principle that's so important to me. How many times have you gone into a situation where you had the opportunity to engage people about the truth about Jesus? you're a believer, you've had that situation. Coffee shop, car, game, wherever, something comes up and you're like, oh gosh, and they ask a tough question or something. And you're like, I can't say anything. I just can't do it. I'm going to mess it all up. You ever felt that? Okay. I guess you're raising your hands in your head. That's fine. Uh, so I, I have that happen to me all the time. But I remember this principle. It's so true. It's like, Peter, at the end of this whole thing, Peter says, it's actually chapter 11. He says, I saw the Holy Spirit fall. I saw these things happen and God took me there. How could I stand in his way? If God wants someone in relationship with him, right? He's been working on a person. He's been drawing them, revealing himself through nature, through the word, through other people. Do you really think you can stop him? I mean, let's be honest. Can you block the king of the universe from bringing someone into the kingdom because you say something dumb? They've already heard the dumb stuff, right? They, all they have to do is flip the channels and hear the dumb stuff about the gospel, the people that really are messing it up. But it is okay You cannot stop God. The TV guy cannot stop God if he's drawing someone into his kingdom. Okay? Just remember that. It is okay to say something. It's okay. You cannot mess it up. If you don't have the answer about how long it took God to create the world and why there's evil and all that, nobody does. It's okay. God will take care of it. And he will amaze you. He will surprise you. I mean, in in this... They were surprised. This, it says a couple of times, if you keep reading through chapter 11, all the people who were there were shocked that the Holy Spirit landed on these people. They were people who formerly were thought incapable of coming to know Jesus. Does that ring a bell around here? Formerly thought we could not interact effectively with these people. They will not come to know Jesus. 
So back to the wedding pants story. <laughs> Pretty embarrassing uh, situation for me. The thing is, this guy, Tim, I'd been riding and racing bikes, road bikes with this guy for years. And he's a crusty, salty, let's put him in the sailor category. I mean, he would say, I've got a joke for you to tell your, your congregation. <laughs> We're warming up, kind of getting, tell me the raunchiest possible thing you ever heard. I'm like, my, I, my ears are bleeding from this, but okay. Uh, I'm not going to tell you any of those. Um, so I raced and raced and spent tons of time with Tim. He asked me to go to lunch with him, praying for him, hoping that something's going to happen. He's telling me about problems in his life. It got to the point where I just gave up on Tim. And I told Claire, I remember telling her specifically, Claire, I'm, I'm done with this guy. I cannot do this. Uh, and so, not long after I completely gave up on him and we quit hanging out together just because our paths went separate ways, he called me and said, hey, I'm getting married to a believer and I want, y'all to, I want you to do the counseling and we're going to come to church. So, I had written this guy off because who was I depending on? You know? What, whatever I could do. But God was doing other things, drawing him towards himself all along, all along. I should never have given up on him. And that's why it was important for me to be at that wedding. God will surprise you when you depend on him, when you trust him, you have relationship with him, you've introduced the gospel through the truth, and through those pieces that I told you about, and then finally just depend on him to do the rest. He, he will surprise you what he will do. I promise. So, let me just wrap up by saying that I believe that in this town, and if you're not from this town, in your community, in your neighborhood, are people who are God-fearers and are in that place where they're looking for Jesus. And when we have a relationship with God that we're willing to be stretched and move forward, they have that relationship where they're starting to seek, that God wants to use us to bring those words of the truth to them. He wants us to bring that information and then simply depend on him. And and I want, as I said earlier, I want our church, this body, to be thinking and praying. God, surprise us with how you are going to help us introduce this community to Christ. How are we going to go there and meet them in a relevant way like Peter did? Just be transformed and move in that direction. How is that going to happen? So let me me leave that with you. I truly believe that our environment is less hostile than the one that Peter was in. I truly believe that. And um, we, I believe, and I'll call myself, have said, I don't think this can be done. But I think the people are right there. So 
Will you pray with me? I'm going to pray for that right now. Father, I just come to you with my friends and some people I just met. God, together we just, uh, we thank you for the story and the narrative of Peter. How Peter um, spent time with you and was willing to be transformed to go where he didn't realize he could go before and just be surprised by what you would do. And God, each of the parts that I talked about today, every one of us has problems with. We, we struggle with our relationship with you. We, we are afraid of people who don't know you we're, or, or are coming to know you. We just struggle with that. We, we are not confident about our own story or what we know about your story or the gospel. God, I thank you for the fact that we can just depend on you. And God, I pray that our church would make an impact in this community for your kingdom. And Lord, if it's slow going and it doesn't seem like anything's happening, God, help us just never to give up because you are the one who is at work and you are much bigger than us and you have a much bigger plan, God. So uh, we, we just offer these things to you this morning. Thank you for a, a good day and a good start to uh, um, our Sunday morning. Lord, let us be engaged with you now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all have a great week. See you soon.